Cheers. 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 Mmm. That is sort of an oaky afterbirth. Mm. What was that? She did tell me to uh, get a beer and some cheese fries over at Eskimo Joe's. That's very nice, lovely. I only hope you feel this way when I'm done. Because I could destroy this night in two seconds. Why is that funny? <laughs> well, I think it's a bit funny to be trying to define nothing. <laughs> Smooth as a bourbon on a summer day. Strong as a peated scotch in the winter night. This is a fair warning. The Catholic Man Show is about to begin. Slap some bacon on a biscuit and let's go. We're burning daylight. Welcome to the Catholic Man Show. We're on the Lord's team, the winning side. So raise your glass. Adam Minahan here, sitting with David Niles. We have Juan on the buttons. Great to have you here, Juan. Thank you so much for being here. He's uh, healing very nicely. Yes. We said last week that he was he was on the struggle bus with uh, some of his shoulder issues, but healing nicely. We found out it's a bicep, not a shoulder. Yeah. Also great. Way better. Thing. Way yes. better. Doctor told him stop doing that. Yes. So. No um, more. Hey, Juan. No more monkeys jumping on the bed. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Very good. I will I'll do it under obedience. Good. Very good. Very good. How obedient of you. Um, we also have a, a, a special guest on the show today. I'm very excited to have Father Cuddy from the Eastern Province of uh, the Dominican House. Let's see. Is it St. Joseph's Province? Is that correct? Mm. Yes. Um, it's great to have you here, Father. Thank you so much for being here. It's a great pleasure. Thank you. Yes. So you were um, helping with Aquinas 101, the Dominican Institute Aquinas 101. Uh, they have a new website that's coming out or has come out, I guess. Correct. Yes, they have a new website, Aquinas 101, which ties into YouTube, as some of your viewers may know, that different Dominicans uh, give short presentations on YouTube about important aspects of Catholic doctrine and practice. And what Aquinas 101 has done, they made a new website where we can interact with the Thomistic Institute in a more interactive way such that people can sign up, uh, have more personalized course structure. You can get a certificate at the end. Mm. But it's really a whole revamped website. Uh, Father Leg, Father Little, and Father Pine, who run the Thomistic Institute, have really done a remarkable job at making uh, what was initially just kind of a series of videos on YouTube a more dynamic, interactive thing that viewers can engage with. Yeah, what I really like about it is that you take... Uh, the Thomistic principles, Thomistic understanding, like what does Aquinas talk about here regarding virtue or regarding, you know, some aspect of, of the, the Christian life and you make it palatable for the everyday man or everyday woman, you know, to, to where we can, you can understand and kind of break down. And then it, uh, it, it kind of wettens the appetite, so to speak, to go and take a deeper dive into the great work of St. Thomas Aquinas. Amen. Yeah, that's really remarkable what they've done. So Yeah. Yeah, I, I also think that because in philosophy, there's a lot of lingo, right? And you guys are good about not, about getting away from that and just saying, here's like, just explaining it in a way without the jargon. Otherwise, it's harder, it's harder to understand. It, the jargon is helpful, right? Because it allows you to be very precise, okay? Mm -hmm. um, 
And so hopefully you get to that point where you can kind of understand, come, come to a deeper understanding of some of these words that have, that serve a, a role, but it's hard to appreciate them in the beginning. And so I, I like that about the videos you guys put out, how it's like, hey, here's an example with a chocolate chip cookie. Okay. <laughs> and it's like, oh, I do want the chocolate chip cookie. Now I see what you're talking about, you know? So thank you. Thank you. And I think that's an important point because St. Thomas is associated with a lot of technical, precise language and jargon. But that's like the second or third level of the discourse. Really what Aquinas is interested in is reality, concrete, specific, real things. And the language, the precision comes out of that. But it isn't as if St. Thomas is in his own little world. No, he's trying to articulate and, and learn about the real world, which includes today. Yeah. Chocolate chip cookies. He would have no doubt been a big fan of those. I mean, well, actually, he was a very ascetical man. Maybe he would not have, but he would have understood. Well, I think he would have been a big fan. Now, how much, how many would he have eaten? Okay. You know, you're already making distinctions. Yeah. (laughs) We're about ready to get into some technical uh, nuances. (laughs) Uh, Oh, go ahead. I was just, well, I was going to ask Father Cuddy just a little bit about himself, but if you have something else you want to follow up. Well, I was just going to say, you have a really good video on, uh, on Aquinas 101 regarding the virtues and the moral life that really break that down. I've used it several times in, in my study and then also just like being able to kind of regurgitate what you've said. So like, it's really good. So if you just type in YouTube, Father Cuddy virtues, I'm pretty positive. That's what I, I, I typed that. <laughs> that's what up. I did. And yeah, it worked and it for worked, you. And it worked. So it's a really good, it's a really good, uh, little course. Yeah. Well, that's, that's kind of you. So, uh, Father Cuddy, just for people, in case they're not familiar with you, who are you? Um, just background. So I'm a Dominican friar, a priest, Roman Catholic priest of the Dominican province of St. Joseph. I grew up in Western Pennsylvania mm-hmm. and after college, went to Steubenville, entered the Order of Friars Preachers. And after a few years serving in a parish in New York City, one of our Dominican parishes, St. Joseph's, which is in downtown area, the West Village, I was sent by the the order to Switzerland. I did a doctorate in theology in Switzerland, and then I came back for the last five or so years. I've been teaching future Dominican priests mm-hmm. at the Dominican House of Studies in Washington, D.C. I teach theology, and my specialty is St. Thomas Aquinas's thought, philosophical and theological, and also the Thomist tradition, the great Thomists, the uh, students of Aquinas throughout history who have helped us penetrate into the distinctions he makes and see how they're practical and relevant to today. So that's my my shtick. Praise God. Praise uh, God. So the, those Thomists, so for people who maybe not know what that means, so this is, these are just followers of Thomas Aquinas' thought, correct? Exactly. So Saint, if a lot of people ask me, so this is, you've just asked me one of my favorite questions. If people were to ask, mm. what is a Thomist or what is Thomism? I would say that Thomism is intellectual monasticism. So what that mm. means is just like if we were to go, you know, here in Tulsa down to the monastery of Clear Creek, the architecture, the space, the place, the building, the time, the schedule, three dimensions are completely God-oriented. Chapels at the center, their whole day is structured around God. Every room, every wall, every window has a purpose. And so what Thomas Aquinas does is he does that on the level of thought and understanding. He takes all the doctrines that we have in theology and all the principles that we have in philosophy and puts them in a very precise, wise, well-ordered structure. So Thomism is not so much a list of things we have to believe or that Thomas maintained, 
but it's fundamentally that order. So just mm -hmm. as Benedict structured physical, natural reality, time, space around God, so Thomas teaches us how to structure our thoughts around God. That's Thomism. And what a Thomist is, is that's someone after Aquinas who does that ordering, replicates that ordering in different times and different places, just like there were monasteries in Europe and now there's monasteries in the United States. Thomists bring the intellectual monasticism, the monastery, to different times and places. And examples would be, most recently, of course, Father Garrigou Lagrange, the doctoral advisor in theology of St. John Paul II. Other great Thomists would include the Canadian layman, uh, Charles de Conic. And if we go further back, the classical ones are uh, my patron, Cardinal Thomas de Vio Cajetan, Domingo Bañez, John of St. Thomas, people like that. So, Is there a distinction between Thomism and like Dominicanism? It's a good question. Uh, historically, no. In fact, early on in our constitutions, not early on, up until uh, a few decades ago, it was actually very funny, uh, stipulated in the Dominican constitutions, the rule that we had to follow, that we had to follow Aquinas and the Thomists. Um, so historically, uh, Thomism and Dominicanism kind of went hand in hand uh -huh. because the order recognized in Aquinas a unique grace of clarity about how to preach and teach the truth, which is our charism. Yeah. But today, of course, Thomism is not a closed and limited system. So there are wonderful uh, discoveries and, and interesting aspects that Aquinas didn't see that other theologians that in the order do that aren't what Aquinas did, but that's fine. They, as long as there's truth involved, the Dominicans give it two thumbs up. So, sweet. <laughs> so, some of the, one of the things we're going to talk about today is you know uh, the intellectual life, like building this um, cathedral of the spiritual life, almost uh, of the intellectual life. Um, I think that a lot of times when people think about growing in holiness, the first you know it's one of the things that come to mind is not oh I should know more about God, or I should know more, you know, uh, take my intellectual life seriously. Why is that a, a, a false thought, or why is that a misstep? So it's interesting. We, today, we, we misunderstand the nature of spirituality. It's very common today for people to say, I'm a spiritual person. Very few people in the 21st century would say they're not spiritual. But what we mean by bringing up this topic of the intellectual life is to remind ourselves and everyone that there is no such thing as a non-intellectual spirituality. There's no division between our intellectual life and our spiritual life. Why is that? It's because our spirit, and therefore our spirituality, is our soul. Our soul is our spirit. Our soul is the seat of our spirituality. And in the soul, the highest and most defining power the guiding power is the intellect. One of the most famous sayings in all of Christian history is, as a man or a woman thinketh in his heart, so is he. And so how the mind thinks, how the mind is ordered, what the mind knows and is shaped by will affect our spiritual life. Okay, so we'll, we'll, we'll continue the conversation and, and kind of pick up on, on this thought as we kind of go deeper into the intellectual life and why it is important. Um, you're listening to The Catholic Man Show with Adam and Hannah and David Niles. We'll be right back. Yeah. 
Do you feel like God is calling you to go on a pilgrimage? Well, for the last 34 years, Select International Tours has been leading pilgrimages to holy sites all over the world. And you want when you go on pilgrimages, Dave, you want to make sure you have the great the best hotels, you're touring with the best guides, and every detail has been addressed. And that's exactly what you're getting with Select International Tours. So, for more information, go to their brand new website, selectinternationaltours.com. They have been a sponsor of the Catholic Man Show for a long time now. Even during the COVID pandemic, they were still sponsoring our show. A lot of other tour companies were really shutting down. These guys were consistent. So go to selectinternationaltours.com to find out more information about all the great pilgrimages they offer all over the world. Welcome back to the Catholic Man Show. I'm David Niles here with Adam Minahan, our special guest, Father Cuddy, Dominican, priest of God, habit-wearing, as well as other things. (laughs) (laughs) So, uh, Father, you were just talking about how you can't separate the idea of spirituality from intellectuality. Just makes sense to me. I mean, makes sense... If you have, I think, a good understanding of the human person with, and I don't mean a deep understanding, I mean a basic understanding of that we are like body, soul composites, okay, that you can't, you can't do something with your body that's not spiritual because your soul is what's animating your body, right? It, you can't separate these two things. It's like, oh, my hand did something. I didn't do it, right? It's like, yeah, you did it with your hand. Uh, so why don't you just pick up where you left off? So, yeah, so that's, yeah, the, the, exactly that. So spirituality is something all humans intuit is important to us. And our point is that the soul is our spirit. It animates our body. It's the, the power, the, the informing power, the informing essence of what we are, giving shape to what we are as a human person, our essence. And therefore, the intellect is a very, the highest power of the soul, guides our spirit, our soul, and therefore our spirituality. And just to make a clarification when we say there's no such thing as a non-intellectual spirituality what we're not saying is that being intellectual means being an intellectual we're not after intellectualism where we as wonderful as it might be to puff cigars wear tweed jackets mm, it sit is. scotch it's, and it's, have deep conversations it's lovely <laughs> <laughs> that's not what we mean because as you say even every human person has an intellect, and they do things deliberately according to their understanding and their reflection. And so one of the challenges, which you're already anticipating very helpfully in the spiritual life, is we find often, and even St. Paul talks about this, a seeming division within us. It's possible for a Catholic man to know the truth about God, to understand the importance of the virtues, uh, living according to the true good, and yet feel drawn to things which he knows are not in accord with what God has ordained in his wisdom and in his love. And what the recognition of the intellect's role in all of this is very helpful is that the intellect guides the most important decisions that we make. It's the captain power of the human person. We have the intellect, the highest, the will, the intellect's appetite that moves towards the goods that the intellect sees, And then what Aquinas calls the sense appetites or the emotions that are drawn towards sensible goods. And what people often experience is a tension. The intellect knows I should do this, but the sense appetites and the emotions go here. 
and I like to use the example that uh, many devout Catholics think that everything's about the will. We would call this a voluntaristic spirituality, that the way to grow in holiness is to beat down the emotions, to make resolutions and resolve to do things. But if we understand how the intellect, the will, and the emotions work in a unified way, there's a very interesting dynamic comes up. So for example, let's imagine you both have uh, started a nonprofit organization of doing some good somewhere for a big group of people. Which Catholic radio station. There we go. Beautiful. Just for, 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 instance. Ex- for instance. For example. Yeah. Yeah. And let's imagine, contrary to fact, that I'm a multi-billionaire. Okay. All right. And I come to you and say, you fine gentlemen have done a good work. I appreciate your vision and what you're doing in this nonprofit. And so I would like to make a donation. And I say, you can pick. And I'm holding up two envelopes. Here's two checks. You can choose one of them. And you say, thank you. So you take, you look at the first one. It's a check written out to your nonprofit for $1,000. Not All right. bad. Okay, right? yeah, yeah. But the second check is written out to your nonprofit for a million dollars. I'll take both. <laughs> <laughs> the good man. <laughs> but what we're not going to do, if, if both is not on the table. Okay, all right, fine. <laughs> is you're not going to put down those envelopes, pull out, uh, you know, the Divine Mercy Chaplet, as holy and as good as that is, begin breathing deeply, uh, you know, and, and what are you doing? I'm preparing to make an act of the will, to make sure that I choose the better good. I'm going to make a resolution, uh, breathing deeply, meditating. It's like, no, immediately, as soon as your intellect sees there's more good in the million-dollar check, your will and your whole being moves to that. Mm -hmm. So if we apply that to the spiritual life, all problems in the spiritual life come down to some. It's not the complete problem, but some misunderstanding. Either I don't understand how good God is or the virtues are, or I don't understand fully how disordered, not good vice and sin are, or I don't understand how I work and hold together as an integral whole, the human person. Um, True and authentic and liberating spirituality is when the mind enters deeply into the truth that is God sees how good he is and how good all things that he's made are and then understands, contemplates, moves towards their integration. So that's what we mean. And that's something that the greatest theologians and philosophers of history can investigate, but also something my little nieces and nephews uh, can investigate. Is is this why in heaven sin is just like unthinkable or un, uh, un, because we we come to see the good for what it is. Beautiful, exactly. Uh, freedom today, the freedom of the will, as very commonly is said, has its root in the intellect. So I am free to drink a diet Coke or a diet Pepsi because both of them are good. They have attractive elements to them, but they're not perfect. Maybe Diet Pepsi's too sweet for me and I prefer a little bit of the nuance of the Diet Coke, mm-hmm. et cetera, et cetera. We're free because we see good things, we can choose them, but nothing that we encounter in this life is good under every aspect. So that's why it's good, so therefore I can choose it, but it's not good in every aspect. Even if it's in the next room, that's a not good. I don't want to drink Diet Coke, I have to walk into the next room oh, with yeah. Diet Pepsi. Too right far here. away. Too yeah. far away. But you're right, in heaven, when we see God face to face, we will see the ultimate good as he is, and we will see in no way no disadvantage. So that's why it's impossible for anyone to go to heaven to see God face to face, infinite goodness, 
and turn away because there's no aspect under which he's not attractive. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So I, I have a question. I want to I want to kind of push into this idea of y- your example of like, oh, I'm gonna I'm gonna step back and take deep breaths and pray the Divine Mercy Chaplet. Because some people would say like, oh, well, he's just going through a discernment process, which. Uh, this is very clear. I mean, the extreme may, makes it easy to have a distinction of understanding. Like, well, it's very clear. You just you should you see the the, the better good, the million dollars, and you go with it. Uh, but some people may say, okay, but what about things that are not as clear? How does how do I orient my intellect to where I I can see it quicker, to where I can make the decision, to where I don't have the the disguise of I'm discerning, and you're just not actually doing anything. Sure. So very good questions. It's a very, uh, human action has many moving parts. And that's why we kind of gravitate towards the process of discernment, which is kind of an awareness that when I reflect and make decisions, I'm thinking about all the parts. And this is where one of your former, your other guests, Father Gregory Pine, Dominican priest, my brother, his book on prudence is very important because as you recall, the three steps of prudence, Aquinas calls them the three potential parts. Uh, there's counsel, then there's judgment, and then there's execution or command. Counsel is very important because what I do when I'm trying to make a decision about what I should do is I seek advice and wisdom from others who can help me parse out the advantages and the disadvantages, the strengths and the weaknesses of any possible decision. But that's not enough. Just seeking advice. We know some people that will that will ask advice from everyone until they get the answer they want. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Forever. Aquinas senses after you've sought advice and saw the goodness, what is the most good, the best decision to make, then you yourself have to make an individual judgment. This is what is good for me to do now, and then that's the second step: judgment, determining based upon in light of the advice you've received, the counsel. But then the most important thing for prudence, of course, is command. The, the, mm-hmm. the problem with discernment is that it can, without command, execution, <clears throat> doing it, that's what command is for Thomas, uh, discernment becomes an end in itself. It's a never-ending kind of mind, wandering around the mind palace. And for Aquinas, uh, the posture of the human person is not looking down into my own spirituality, into myself, What's happening here? The soul, the human person's fundamental posture is looking up and out to reality. You know, real trees, real grass, real birds, you know, real friends, real people, real food, real God. And that's what prudence, it always ends in contact with reality, living in reality. At times, some approaches to discernment, it's like a, it's like a self-spiraling yeah. kind of inward that's why people with fake Christmas trees struggle so much. That's true. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Real Christmas trees are better. Yeah. 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 I mean, yeah, yeah. Realism. That's yeah. right. Let's grab the axe and head out to the neighbor. We're going to cut down a tree. Yeah. Absolutely. Thanks, yeah. Frank. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah okay. So, um, so how do you train your, so for somebody who is, you know, okay, I'm, I've decided this is, this is good for me. I should train in the intellectual life i've never done this before i maybe i didn't go to college or maybe i didn't you know study to 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 be an intellectual uh what would be your advice to them it's a good question so the first thing is is to i would say first to count console them it's not as if we're going to start being or acting in a different way because to be a human person is to have an intellect which knows and makes decisions 
So we're not saying you need to be completely different. Mm, that's a good mm, yeah. You need to be more of what you are and hone that, refine that. Second thing is uh, we need to be deliberate. This is what prayer is. Prayer is defined by the Christian tradition as the raising of the mind to God. That's very simple. It's what do you think about? To grow in this, we've got to order our mind to good things. God Okay, so we're going to pick this up on the other side of the break. That that work? Okay. Uh, we're here with Father Cuddy, a Dominican priest. Uh, or fr- I'm sorry, Dominican well, friar. Same thing, yeah. Um, distinctions. Distinctions. Distinctions is important. We'll be distincting when we come back. <laughs> Hey guys, this is Nick with Exodus, and I want to invite you to consider joining us for a 90-day spiritual exercise, which you may have heard of before. It's called Exodus 90. And if you've ever thought, man, I uh, I really am on my phone a lot, or man, I probably take work too seriously, or I drink a lot, or and maybe there's a lot of other things that you think like, man, I should probably cut back on that. I'm not very present you know, to my family, to my wife, even at the end of the workday. I want to invite you to come check out Exodus 90. Go to startmyexodus.com. We start January 1st. And this is really all about growing in your faith, growing your prayer life, and being more present to those around you so that you can become the man that God has created you to be. Startmyexodus.com. Welcome back to the Catholic Man Show. Talking about the intellectual life, which is always ordered towards God. Wouldn't you say that would be accurate? Absolutely. Okay, good. Glad we didn't misstep there. <laughs> yeah, if you, if you didn't say yes, it was like, oh, okay, we need okay. to take a couple steps back. Let's rework this. this I missed something. <laughs> yeah. And the reason why, as, you, as we know, is because God is the author of everything. So even as natural, as cause of the natural reality that we have, all of nature points to God. And then certainly a supernatural cause when God reveals his inner life to us. Uh, and we understand that. God is the end both of reason by itself and then reason under faith, yes. So, Father Cuddy, um, you were talking about growing in the intellectual life. And I think there's a perception or, you know, it seems like, okay, for the average person, not an does not consider themselves to be an intellectual Um but I think you can easily see the argument. It's like, okay, yes, I need to, this is a part of my person that I need to focus on cultivating, just like all the other parts of me, right? How do you grow in the intellectual life? Because it see, might, you could see how it's like, oh, the only way to do it is to get like rigorous books. And I have to read these difficult books. And that's how I'm going to grow in my intellectual life. And if I don't do that, then I'm never going to grow. And that just sounds hard and like, a lot of people just don't want to do that. Or can't. Or can't, right. Um, it, so how does one grow in their intellectual life? It's a good question. And as we, we, when we ended before the break, we said that the, the, the essence of the intellectual life, whether one's very young and simple, still learning, or a master philosopher and theologian, is the applying of the mind to something. So the question then is, how do we apply our mind to something? Uh, and... I would say that if one is intimidated by the prospect of reading, you know, big, complicated old books that we can only find used or or a thousand pages, this is where your show, uh, Bishop Barron's stuff, 
uh, the Catechism, supremely, mm, yeah. which is online. YouTube videos like Aquinas 101. There are many resources today, unlike any other time in history, where anyone, everyone has access to the internet. You can find texts, documents, videos, and talks by very competent and gifted people to explain these things. And what we're doing when we're reading a book or we're listening to a talk is we're not focusing on them, the speaker, the author primarily, but really we're looking with them to the reality that they talk about. Hmm. So that's like if I didn't know, if we were to switch places back to the check example, and if mm -hmm. I say, you know, okay, we got a thousand dollar check and a million dollar check, and I'm like, I don't know which one to choose. You would say, well, do you know what one a dollar is? Mm -hmm. Do you know what a thousand is? Do you know what a million is? And what we're doing when you're teaching me about the value of a thousand versus a million, I'm not looking at you primarily, but we're looking together at the goodness and the difference between these two. Yeah. And so entering deeply into with a teacher, with a guide, whether personally that's ideal or even on the internet, at the reality of God, the reality of marriage, the reality of human sexuality, of justice, temperance, uh, sacraments, Jesus. That's what we are. We're looking together at something. And I'm looking for a wise person that can point out details. It's like going to a museum. I'm terrible. I can go through a museum of the greatest art in the world in like five minutes. Oh, yeah. Easily. <laughs> I know nothing about it. But if I had someone that was an expert, right. the color. That oh, it's pretty. It's pretty. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but if you had an expert, oh, wow, look, the, the reason why red is there is because of this. Yeah. The shadow. Exactly. And the darkness. You know, light's coming from this one part. And that's what it is. It's not that they're imposing something on the artwork. They're helping me, Re an untrained. Revealing it. Revealing it, yeah. it. Unpacking it. And that's what we're doing. Yeah. You know, another thing that I have found to be very helpful in my own intellectual life is good conversations um, where, you know, because when you have a conversation with someone, it has a way of uh, like you're going to really comprehend the things that you're talking about when you're working it out together, you know, just talking. And then you kind of realize you come to the realization through a converse through that conversation. And that has a way of just truth, like yeah. sticking with me. It's like, oh, yeah, because. I don't know. When you read a book, books are great, right? But sometimes that just doesn't quite sink in as deeply as um, the memory and the comprehension, the in like that moment of enlightenment when you're having that discourse with somebody. Just to, Almost like memory is a virtue, dude. <laughs> and this is why I, I forgot about that. <laughs> <laughs> we wouldn't counsel someone who says I want to pursue the intellectual life with more gusto to run straight to St. Thomas's own writings. But as you know, in the Summa, his masterpiece, the Summa Theologiae, he does structure it according to questions uh -huh. yeah, with yeah. points, counterpoints, and now let's come to a determination. Almost like a conversation. Exactly. Yeah. No, you, you've highlighted something very important. Yeah, the, the discovery of reality is always in conversation. The dynamic of this is why family is so important. What a little child with his or her parents, what is that? Why? How? Mm -hmm. That, those questions... That's the intellectual life. How is it that God can be everywhere? How is it that God knows everything? Why do we have to go to church on Sunday? Those are the same questions that a child might ask about a bird or a tree or about the, the customs of a home. But the adult, the intellectual, the truly authentic spirituality-seeking uh, person is asking the same fundamental questions of the human person. 
but vis-a-vis -vis in relation to the highest things. And that's what we're after. And the more we see and contemplate, apply our mind on what is God? Who is God? What is the church? What are the seven sacraments? What is Jesus? He's human and he's divine. Like us in all things but sin. How is that possible? What does that mean? The mind is ordered to, in our humanity, to understand and to contemplate those things. And when we understand more fully, we will begin to love Jesus and all the truths that we encounter, discover more fully. Well, because the intersection with the reality is key for not falling in the trap of saying like, I'm gonna read about virtues That's and I'm right. gonna, I'm, all of a sudden I've been reading about virtues for a long time and now I believe to think, oh, I have this virtue because I know so much about it, right? Yes, that's right. That's very good. So the in, this is the, the danger is we, we're all recovering uh, modern philosophers, believe it or not, and that the modern philosophy's great uh, <clears throat> conviction was that there is some separation between the mind and reality. That the movie The Matrix, we've all seen that from years ago. Yeah, that's possible. But for true, authentic intellectual life, the intellect is a power outward directed. The intellect always is encountering real things that exist outside the mind and that shape the mind. This is why relativism is so dangerous because if you say your mind is your own kind of world and your mind is your own kind of world and my mind is my own kind of world, namely we don't think that reality is really real, we're completely isolated because your mind's different from mine mm. and my mind's different from yours. However, according to the truth, if reality is the most important thing, and our minds are outward directed, namely they can know reality, then our knowledge, your mind meeting reality, your mind meeting reality, and my mind meeting reality, we're not isolated. Mm -hmm. We are actually able to be united in reality. So exactly, Juan, it's not just a mental game. That's, the, the fear of that is really a modern thing. They think the modern philosophy basically thinks after Rene Descartes, Immanuel Kant, and Hegel and others, that the mind can be kind of a solipsistically isolated thing. Um, no child thinks that. Right. So when we, uh, you know, when we put our intellect in accord with reality, there are times in which uh, our emotions, like you're, you're talking about, okay, intellect, uh, will, and then emotions. There are times in which, and we see this uh, today a, a lot, that our emotions get into the way and obstruct uh, our understanding of what the highest good is. Uh, can you maybe uh, like unpack, like, why is it that the emotion, like, what are the emotions and how do we temper them to, to where they do not in interfere with the intellect? So, excellent. That's, it really is the dynamic of the Christian life. Many of us in our moments of weakness would say, if Lord, if I only could stop being attracted, drawn towards these sins. Yeah. We kind of resent. I have said that. <laughs> we kind of resent <laughs> and regret our affect of our emotional life. When this is where uh, St. Thomas is very helpful because there is a, a view of the emotions that would treat them after the fall, because of original sin, because of concupiscence, that the emotions are, to use a metaphor, like rabid dogs. So the saint is the one that through penance and mortification has beat down the rabid, corrupt dogs of the emotions such that they're in the corner trembling and fearful and they don't cause us any problems. Thomas Aquinas would say, no, that's, that's not right. They're not rabid dogs because God made them. Rather, they're like puppies. Puppies can go bad. If you let, you had a little puppy and you let it run the house, mm -hmm. the house would not be running well. However, fundamentally, puppies, although they can get into mischief, 
They're not objectively evil. They want to follow the guidance of the master. And so this is to apply this to the intellect and the will. So for example, let's imagine it's Good Friday and we're walking down uh, the street of downtown Tulsa and we pass by a Ruth's Chris Steakhouse. Mm. Good place. And mm. immediately our senses, our emotions feel there is cooking cow meat behind uh, those walls. That's delicious. The intellect comes down and says, hey, what's going on? And, and the emotions are bodily or, or desires or concupiscible appetite, as the technical word would be. You know, we're drawn towards that. The intellect says, what's going on? And our emotions, our body says, there's good food there. And the intellect says, yeah, there is, uh, but it's Good Friday. And the emotions, here's the big thing. The emotions say, what's Good Friday? <laughs> because the emotions are always connected with sensible reality and Good Friday-ness is not sensible. Only the intellect can see that. Similarly to marriage. Imagine a young couple, very devout, Catholic, faithful, young, beautiful husband, beautiful wife get married. They go to their jobs and the guy who's working and there's a beautiful secretary that comes by. He feels drawn and his intellect, his emotions say, hey, she's beautiful. And the intellect says, we're not married. The emotions say, what's marriage? Yeah. Marriage also is not, the state is not sensible. Right, yeah. Well, yeah, I totally agree. <laughs> okay, that's the end of our time here on Catholic Radio. We're going to continue this conversation on the podcast. No, we have one more. Oh, wait, we have one more. Yeah, yeah. Oh, gosh. Good. Okay. Praise God. Well, hang on. We'll be right back. <laughs> Welcome back to the Catholic Man Show. David Niles here with Adam Minahan. We're talking with Father Cuddy about the human person, intellect, the will, spirituality, all the great things that we are as human beings. Uh, and Father, so you were talking about that relationship with our emotions and what exactly the emotions are, right? And that, you know, it's like, yes, they don't, your emotions don't know what Good Friday is. The emotions just see things that are good, and they want them. Yes, sensible, physical, individual, particular goods. Exactly. And we don't... Uh, and that's good. We don't... Yeah, exactly. It's, it would be bad if our humanity and its most primal level, the affect of life, didn't desire good food. That's mm -hmm. a broken human being. Mm -hmm. It would be bad if a man were not attracted to a beautiful woman. Or if a woman were not attracted to a virile man like Catholic man show host kind of people. Yeah. That would be disordered. Yeah. Totally. <laughs> but the reason why, this is again, it's just that this is why the intellect, back to what we're talking about at the beginning, in case your listeners are wondering, why, okay, what, what, what the intellectual life, that the emotions, they only see things on a very, uh, they see good things but on a limited level. It's sensible, individual, particular. Some of the most important parts of reality are not individual, sensible, particular, like marriage, like Good Friday. So for example, again, back to our, you know, husband and wife get married, a couple months later, the husband, very, you know, devout, uh, faithful husband, feels himself being very attracted to a beautiful woman that works in the office. He says, what's wrong with me? Why do my emotions feel drawn to her by the sound of her voice, her, her beauty, when I love my wife? And the intellect says, well, you see, uh, your emotions don't, you emotions, you don't know about something called marriage. Marriage doesn't walk down the street. Marriage doesn't grow on a tree. It's a spiritual reality. Mm -hmm. And the intellect says, that's why I'm in charge because I can, I'm like the helicopter power. I can understand goodness in all dimensions, physical, sensible, like you can emotions, 
but also spiritual goods like marriage, like Good Friday. And like puppies, the virtuous person is not the one who never feels drawn to beautiful, delicious, good things. But the virtuous person is the one who knows that emotions are like puppies. Yeah, puppies get excited, but puppies are good and they want to follow the guidance of the master, intellect, prudence. And so we never resent our emotions. They're not rabid dogs to be beat down. They're meant to be trained and ordered by virtue so that they can participate in the threefold hierarchy of the human person intellect, will, emotions. The emotions want to participate in that, but we have to let the power that's the highest and that can see the most physical, individual goods and spiritual, universal goods. We have to let that power, the intellect, lead. Right. And it's so important because only through the intellect can we come to know the greater good of marriage, for instance, over just the next woman. And without that, and once you come to understand that that good is so much greater than just following your appetites, then it gets easier and easier to not follow your appetites, right? Because we're becoming well-ordered so like and, and well-governed. Well freedom. Right. That's right, because it's, it's interesting. So the appetites are ordered to the good, and what the intellect does is it shows us where the most important goods are. Yeah. So the sense appetites, they see true goodness. This steak is good. Mm -hmm. This woman is beautiful. But the intellect can come down and say, oh, you're right, she is beautiful, that is good steak, but there's a greater good here mm -hmm. that if you forsake this marriage or you know, living Good Friday, you know, penance, the church, you will hurt yourself. So it's not as if the intellect works against the appetites of the world, and I know that's not what you're saying, but the intellect is able to see more of the good. The intellect's mm -hmm. like the x-ray vision of goodness. Sense appetites kind of see in black and white. The intellect can see goodness in all colors and say, you're right, there is some goodness, but there's more goodness you guys can't perceive. Right. So follow me. So that's why the healthy, happy, virtuous person is not uh, kind of uh, oppressed. I've just killed my emotions. No, the emotions say, I know we're not seeing all the goodness, but we're following the intellect. And that's great because we're a team player. Mm -hmm. Puppies want to be part of the household. So let me ask you this, Father, because, you know, I think it's it's easy to think that, oh, in the Garden of Eden, before the fall, like maybe it wasn't like this, but maybe it was. I, I don't know. Is the relationship between the intellect and the appetites different now than it would have been pre-fall or what, what's... What's up with that? That's a good question. <laughs> <laughs> so basically, b b before the fall, um, the emotions of Adam and Eve would have always sensed good food, beautiful people, etc. But as soon as the intellect came down, the emotions were like the perfectly trained puppies. Okay, whatever you say, we're going with it. Today, we have the disadvantage uh, where sometimes the puppies, they see, okay, I will sit Maybe. So there's a slight resistance. <laughs> but I'm going to keep whining. That's right. That's right. So that's what that's called concupiscence. That's what we're dealing with. But the important thing is not that before the fall, they were good puppies and now they're rabid dogs. No, they're still good puppies. The problem is today, the difficulty that we have after the fall and even after baptism is that uh, puppies resist a little bit. However, they still want to follow the guidance of reason and the will. Mm -hmm. So that's the difference. But no, Adam and Eve, it wasn't as if, yeah, they, were, they, they, they would sense. That's, the, that's what they're for, mm -hmm. to help us sense good things, to sense what is not good, to overcome difficulties. 
Um, and it's just today we have a little, the, the puppies have a mind of their own. They still yeah. want to follow it, mm-hmm. us, but that's the challenge. You know, I think that Catholicism is often accused of being sort of an oppressive uh, you know, religion or idea ideology. And it's just not, uh, because the, you know, the Catholic faith truly understood, fully embraced. When you see these good things, the beauty of another woman, you should rejoice in it, right? There should be, uh, just, Oh yes. There's, it's not like, Oh, close your eyes. Don't look, you know? Um, now if you need, if you need, uh, custody of the eyes, yes. Okay. We got, you got to do what you got to do to maintain a virtuous life. But, the 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 man fully formed, you know, the, the whole man. See reality for what it truly is. Right. Yes. Right. Should should be able to rejoice in goods, in beauties, wh- where they are for their goodness. Right. And in an appropriate degree. Inappropriate. Yes. That's right. So the intellect can say like, you know, beautiful woman. The sense appetites are drawn. The emotions are drawn, and the intellect comes. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. She's beautiful. And the emotions keep staring. Say, okay, that's enough. Mm-hmm. It's reasonable. Reason can determine how long we look. So we're not saying that, you know, Catholics, you know, like we pull out the binoculars and just looking for beauty. Right, exactly. <laughs> yes, no, yeah, reason, but you're right. Reason itself would say, that's not reasonable. Right, right, right. <laughs> but it could say, yeah, don't be, don't begrudge yourself. No, 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 of course, yeah, that is a beautiful woman or a handsome Right, you're going to get fired yeah. if you <laughs> yeah, do that. Yeah. If you don't right. leave. <laughs> but we're not, we don't begrudge that. That's And reason knows that. That's very important. There's no, sometimes it's, we, we kind of think the saints were the ones who were like the most, neutered effectively emotionally people right yeah and it's not it saints feel deeply but their feelings are always shaped by the guidance of reason ordered to god mm-hmm. so john paul Tooney, he was a deeply passionate man padre pio my goodness italian yeah, yeah. You, know, you know getting angry throwing things swearing <laughs> you know even all these things i mean but this is a man that loved god he was felt deeply but he was ordered by god uh, to god and by god um, and so that's the Christian life. We, we should not think, this is very important for listeners, for viewers, do not think you are only a saint if you never feel anything. Mm. Right. And the other thing, this is, other, this is the other interesting thing, and we're going to bring this up at the end, but um, you can't feel God. Mm. This is the other thing. People that live by their emotions, that use emotions, even discernment to say, okay, I feel God is here. You might feel things that are from God. God can create feelings. But because God is infinite and spiritual and your emotions are ordered towards particulars and individuals, technically speaking, you can't feel God. He can create good feelings. Mm. So that's why in the Christian life, we can't even use our emotions to guide us to God because that's on a whole new wavelength. That's like asking the ear to see. Hmm. Because God, the emotions are physically oriented, particular. God is universal, spiritual, infinite. So we don't, again, begrudge. So it's great. If we're at a praise and worship event, a conference, you know, retreat, and we just feel very close to God, we can say, I feel very good. And God might be giving me these emotions, but I know I'm not actually feeling God. This is where only the intellect and the will, faith, hope, and charity are in the intellect, faith, hope, mm. and charity, and the will. Because only they're able to directly have contact with God. The emotions can't. And again, that doesn't mean they're bad. Right. Mm-hmm. They just follow. So what does it look like when everything is in accord and we're in front of the beatific vision in heaven? Like, mm-hmm. what does that actually look like for the emotions? So the emotions, then, that's very good. They will rejoice, but they'll rejoice as part of the human person completely. So in other words, the emotions aren't going to be themselves able to perceive the infinite being of God, his goodness. But as a part of you and me, they're a team player. They're like, oh, the highest powers are really jazzed right now. We're jazzed in and yeah. through them. Yeah. 
And will that change mm. when we have a resurrected body? So yeah, before we have a resurrected body, we won't have the emotions. Yeah, that's emotions why always have a they're psychosomatic soul body things. That's why it'll be more intense when we receive the resurrected. Body. The resurrected. So this is where the great Thomas commentator Cardinal Cajetan would bring up an a distinction. He would say, intensively, when you're in the beatific vision, you're always filled with the goodness of God. It's like a glass. It's filled to the brim with God's goodness. Mm -hmm. But when you have the resurrected body, it's not as if you're more filled in the sense that God only gave you 90%, now he's gonna give you 100. No, you're extensively filled. Namely, there's your glass is bigger now because now you have a body also. So that also is filled. So mm -hmm. intensive, it's always 100%. It's just after the resurrection, there's more of us in that 100% of being filled. And that would also be for the inverse in hell, correct? Like the, the, the punishments would be even more intense. That's right. So yes, they will feel it not just yeah, in the sense, but also in the intellect and the will as well. Yeah. Intensive and extensive. Extensively, that will increase. Hmm. Yeah, I just think that's such a good point you made there about you can't sense God. To me, that really drives it home. Why the intellectual life? Because it's the only way to come come to a knowledge of Him. Um, the more you know Him, the more you can love Him, the more you love Him, the more you can serve Him. And right. God can give you feelings. He might create them. You can feel sure. them, but it's not God Himself. Yeah. Yep. We're out of time on the radio. Go check us out on thecatholicmansion.com. We'll continue the conversation for a little bit longer with Father Cuddy. We're on the Lord's team. The winning side. So raise your glass. And cheers to Jesus. So, Father, if you can't feel God, should you then aspire to hear him in prayer? Is that how you get confirmation for discernment? Sure. So that can happen. So God can lead us. He can create feelings, confirmations, inspirations. Um, but most of the time, as we've all experienced, God says, I've given you through the Bible, magisterium, tradition, your reason, the natural law, you can kind of know what you should do. Now, if you're called to something extraordinary, like starting a new religious order or being an you know, extraordinary saint, God can use extraordinary means of guidance. But I do think it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a sad and unfortunate thing for most of us, even priests, to think God's going to lead us in this extraordinary way because if he were to do that, he would, that would basically mean he hadn't given us through our intellect and our will and our emotions enough goodness to be close to him without extra benefits. Mm. It's like, no, he made us in all of our being to know and to love him. And that's why we go to the chapel and we say, Jesus, I love you. Why aren't you talking to me? He's like, I've already told you the most important things, that I am good, that I love you, that I'm real, that in that little box called the tabernacle, in that little circle styrofoam looking thing called the Eucharist, I am there. I can't feel you, Lord. And he says, well, the reason why you can't feel me is that I'm so powerful, so infinite. It's beyond your comprehension, and it's beyond your sensation, your emotions. And in fact, were I to be sensible and comprehensible by you, you wouldn't be getting me because I am infinite. Mm. So this is where Father Pine's right. work on prudence, I think his book is marvelous. It really, it's about prudence. God has given us the power of reason. Reason is not an infinite power. It's still created, our reason's created, but it is the highest power that God says, yeah, I've given you this power that you can follow, know, and love me with your intellect and your will. Yeah. Uh, too many Christians that try to live their life by the emotions end up getting very, because we feel like we're doing something bad. We've all had the experience of going on a retreat 
We feel very close to God. We might even think we are feeling God. We come back and we're like, man, I don't feel this anymore. So then we try a new method of prayer, a new retreat, a new spiritual director, a new church, a new podcast. Don't try that. This is the best. <laughs> to, that, to try to get those emotions. And we wonder, why does this, what am I doing wrong? And it's like, no, 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 no. God works. Here's, I'll give you my favorite. God works like a 1930s young man courting a young woman. So let's imagine 1930. The world's in black and white. Of course, they didn't have color. Right. Yeah, right. No. He dresses in his Sunday best, has gotten permission from the parents to call upon their daughter. Rings the doorbell. He's carrying flowers. The father answers the door. Mr. Smith, thank you. I'm here to see Courtney. Yes, come on in. They sit in the parlor for 30 minutes. The parents are right around the corner chaperoning. They have a very nice conversation. The young man gives her flowers. First date done. Beautiful. Next week, they have an hour. He brings chocolate. The parents trust him a little more. They're in a different part of the house. And as the time goes on in their courtship, they take trips together, maybe drive, you know, a Sunday drive out to dinner, to the carnival, very wholesome things. And that's normal. That's beautiful. But if their relationship is going to be real enough that marriage is on the table, there will come a day when she will be happy if only he comes and there is no flowers, there is no chocolate, there's no drives, there's no dinner, it's just him. Chocolates, flowers, drives, and carnivals, those are good things. But obviously if they're having a real relationship, you're really in love, you married men, you know, when you're just together. Hmm. God works the same way. Early on in the spiritual life, he gives us little chocolates, little flowers, those feelings that we have, and they're good. He's saying, look, I want to I reach you on your level and show you how much I love you. But ironically, when those feelings dissipate, we think that God is actually growing distant from us, but it's actually a sign, if we're living virtuously, that he's actually becoming more intimate with us because he says, I'm just going to give you myself now. And ironically, when he just gives us his undiluted self to speak, uh, you know, inappropriately or metaphorically, we feel nothing because he's infinite. We can't sense him. And this is where Mother Teresa, when she died, we remember St. Teresa of Calcutta, they said that she had taught, I felt nothing. I feel like God doesn't exist. She had written all these things yeah. were discovered after her death. Everyone said, well, see, she was an atheist. or she. No, no, no. She knew as a contemplative that Jesus was there, but she was simply saying, I can't sense him. And she knew, she had good spiritual directors that told her, no, God, the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords is 100% with you. And he's actually most intimate with you because now he feels like I can just give her my undiluted self. And that's where you have to live by faith. I know Jesus is real because he told me the Eucharist is real, prayer is real, not because I feel it. And he's not going to do that to somebody who he hasn't, who's not ready. Exactly. Right. Exactly. But just like you said, he doesn't want you to fall in love with chocolates. That's right. He wants you to fall in love with him. That's right. And most of the time, God knows how to love us. That's the fundamental thing. If I could say one thing to all the people that I would say, dear friends, please know that God knows how to love you. We think, God, I need you to do this. You don't understand. God's the perfect one at loving. He knows when we need a chocolate, a feeling. And he knows when we need to not have it so we don't get mm -hmm. distracted by the chocolate. He knows when we need consolation and miracles. He also knows when we need to uh, experience no sensible consolation and just live by faith. He always perfectly loves us. That's so important. Jesus knows how to love. And so if we're feeling great, 
No, it's just, I'm feeling too good. That's bad because that's just a chocolate right. from Jesus. Right. I want you. No, Jesus says, I want you to have this. Right. On the other hand, I feel nothing. Lord, I say, Jesus, I love you, and it doesn't seem like anything's happening. I need something more. It's like, Jesus knows what you need. Right, yeah. So let me just ask you this question. This is like, maybe sounds like, this is going to be a big question, but we'll be the judge. Okay. <laughs> so what is the essence of the intellectual life? Or, or maybe what is the end? Uh, because you, I can picture somebody saying, okay, well, I'm going to go out and study, and I'm going to learn, right? Um is is that the purpose? Really, I'm trying to ask you about where, how does your prayer life, which which one's more important, right? I mean, if you're just learning everything, but you're not praying. This gets back to what one was saying. Yeah, right? Are you right. get actually like getting anywhere? And what if you just like start praying and you don't, you don't study? You know, what's, there's a trade off here. Take that and give a, an answer. <laughs> That's a very uh, important question. And, the the essence is there is no such thing as non-prayerful sacred study and there's no such thing as prayer without some intellectual reflection mm-hmm. because the, the prayer again the, the classical definition it's not just a dominican or a thomist aquinas thing it's all the tradition is raising of the mind to god so when you're reading a book about god's about the trinity and your mind the intellectual life is the mind being conformed to shape by reality. Your mind is trying to understand how is it we have one God, but three divine persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And the more your mind grapples with that, your mind is being raised to God. That's prayer. Conversely, when you're praying in the chapel, you're speaking, you're reflecting, but all that you know about God is, who God is, shapes your prayer. Mm-hmm. So we would want to say very specifically, and I say we here as Dominicans, that prayer and study are never in opposition if they're directed towards reality, real things. Um, and again, this is the danger. If the intellectual life becomes, I'm learning facts about God, but not God himself, mm-hmm. you're no longer studying the real God because you can't separate truth about God from truth of God. Hmm. It's not a mind game. It's not an intellectual thing. Many intellectuals, even devout Catholics, they like to spar in the intellectual life. Well, what do you think about this? Let me give you this. Or what do you think about these debates? We can do that as long as the end is to know the truth about reality and the cause and redeemer of all of reality, God. It never, that's why I keep bringing up the children, it never, we never ultimately graduate from what we were like as a child. The child who asks, what's that? Oh, that's a squirrel. He or she's not trying to become a, a biologist, a zoologist. Right. They're trying to know, what is that? Uh-huh. Why does that happen? That, that childlike orientation to knowing the truth about reality and living in it and delighting in it, children experiencing snow for the first time, <laughs> that's the fundamental human entelechy, to use the big word, the orientation of the human person, mind, the intellect, the will, the sense appetites, to be outward directed. Um, so the essence of the intellectual life then is fully, intentionally, comprehensively to know and live in and be shaped by reality and the God who made it. So I'm often asked if I give a talk or I have students in Washington, they'll say, I'm dealing with an atheist. What are the best arguments to use against his atheistic arguments? How would you do it? And I say, well, to be honest, I would, uh, what would you do? I say, well, I'd probably invite him out to coffee. And they're like, what? Yeah, I'd take him to a museum. Or I'd take a walk with him on a beautiful afternoon. Why is that? It's because 
the way to deal with an atheist or an intellectual problem is not to climb into his mind like under a car hood and begin to tinker. Mm -hmm. So that's the problem. We got to get out of your mind. Coffee, friendship, real coffee, mm -hmm. real connection, real culture, the museum, real beauty, real nature. If his mind can be reoriented or liberated to looking at that outwardness of all that God has made, that's the most important apologetic move anyone can make. Very few people are saved through debates or arguments. Right. There are some, but only because they have already taken a truly honest interior disposition, like the child. Yes. Who I, I just really want to know. Exactly. You know, those people can be very helped by, by debates. Uh, most atheists, I would say, have probably already made up their mind. That's right. And they're just like playing their cards. Mm -hmm. This is this is just what I what I'm saying because I've already decided, right? And for that person, your arguments are not going to work. Exactly. It's really the ultimate goal of the Christian life. Cardinal Cajetan says that we're not content. It's very beautiful. Even in old 16th century Latin, we want a real bath. We want a real drink. We want to live in real world. Know the real God. If the Garrigou Lagrange's summary of all of theology and philosophy is titled in English, Reality. It's free on EWTN's website. Type in Reality Garrigou Lagrange. That's the perfect title. That's what the Christian, the philosopher, the theologian, the contemplative, the saint, that's the whole orientation of their life, to live in reality. We don't want to live in our minds. It's very sad hmm. to live in your mind. Yeah. Uh, I you, you have any closing thoughts? No. Father, it has been, it. it's been a, a, a pleasure and, and a lot of fun to have you on, on the show. I'm very grateful for you and for your, all your work. It's a great joy to be with you. Thank you for your work. And uh, yeah, Catholic men live in reality, be radical in reality. And the goal, the, the thing, as you both know, is that to be a father and a husband, even a spiritual father, we die first. That means we give ourselves for the sake of our bride, the family, for the sake of reality. So, yeah, your, your vocations are tremendous sacrifice for the sake of reality so your children and spouses can thrive and know and love it. Praise God. If you want more conversations like this, mm -hmm. go to Aquinas 101, where you can find Father, Father Cuddy, mm -hmm. as well as... Many others. Many, many other others. many other Dominican priests named Dominic, Thomas, and Aquinas, <laughs> <laughs> who, who can eloquently... Uh, you know, discourse on all the other uh, truths of reality and the goodness that God made here on this earth. So uh, thank you once again, Father, for being here. It's a great privilege. Yeah. Thank you.